evening, everybody. I'm Mike Garzari. With me, of course, Gary Godso. It's time to take a look back at week 14. And the what's not your mind? Fantasy football. No, we're not doing that tonight. Uh, with, uh, with joining us, current G.I. Joe writer. You've probably seen his work on the stands. Aubrey Sitterson is here with the main cast tonight. How are you, Aubrey? Hey, I'm great. Uh, thanks so much for having me on this this program of y'all's. I'm stoked. I'm, I'm always excited. As anybody's been seeing me online the past few months, I'm always stoked to talk about G.I. Joe, but I'm particularly excited to chit-chat with y'all tonight. So thanks for having me. You reached out to us a number of months ago, so we're we're glad to finally get you in and and chat you up a little bit. You're yeah, here. I wanted I wanted to make sure that you know, like my involvement with the the new GI Joe ongoing got launched got uh, announced months ago. But I, you know, before I came and chit chat with y'all, I wanted to make sure there was actually something on the racks so that we you guys could see the approach and we could kind of chit chat about something more substantive rather than just you know, sorry I can't say, please buy the book. <laughs> been a very quick interview it would be very it would be very expedient you wouldn't be the first interview we had that we talked with someone and they say oh i can't tell you what we're working on yeah so no i'm glad i'm glad i'm glad we waited uh and i'm i'm, I'm excited to get into it get into the weeds with y'all before we started recording of course you you've already met the regulars gary justin and uh and joe but you can call her by her real name ethel bronkowitz I, I've been I've been briefed early on that that that, that is a no go. Joe Joe is the way I have to go, right? Or Ethel trying, Bronco. I feel, like you're, I feel like you're trying to trick. I feel like you're trying to trick me. You're guarding. Right, you got to take a lap now, buddy. You got to take a lap. You're sandbagging. <laughs> you're sandbagging me. You're sandbagging me. I'm not gonna say it. Yeah, Ethel Bronkowitz is is kosher. That is okay. <laughs> or or as Chris McLeod puts it, Bernard. Bernard, yeah. But you've met Chris. You know how that goes. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, Aubrey. <laughs> For uh, for for those who have not caught up on what's you, what's going on in the back? Hey, what's going on in the background? It sounds like somebody's sending a telegram. That's Mike. Oh, okay, that's a chronic click. And are you sending a telegram, Mike? Do you moonlight at Western Union? What's going on? Might as well be. Um, no, but that Pony Express guy is a little late. <laughs> so I'm getting concerned. He's like crank powered. He's got to sit there and crank this thing while it's. <laughs> wow. I'm getting a couple extra gerbils in the wheel, <laughs> Hell so of. that we don't die mid-interview. Was it uh, St. Louis, the origin spot of the Pony Express? It, it was essentially the eastern contact point, yes. Historical tie-in. All right. That concludes we, our G.I. Joe conversation. For we the got time. to the bottom of that. <laughs> <laughs> Good night, folks. Thanks for joining us. What's on Joe Mind? Your edutainment headquarters. No, I think it's just it, I think it's just actually my earpiece creaks a little bit, and when my head moves, it makes a sound. So I just have to adjust. Is that the way I'm going to get you to shut up? Your massive noggin. <laughs> I'm, my giant head does not fit into normal mortal headphones. So, anyways, Aubrey, for those who have not done their homework on you to this point, and Lord knows you've put yourself out there the last couple of months, so everybody should know something about you. But talk about your your artistic background. Where'd you go to school? What what got you started down the, the crazy path of, hey, I want to write comic books? You know, talk yeah, about I, that uh, part of your career. Sure. Yeah, I, I went to school. I went to NYU and I initially wanted to go into academia. I, I wanted to be a philosophy professor. Right. Uh, yeah. I, and I was I mean, I was particularly interested in continental philosophy. And it was it was kind of a frustrating thing for me because NYU, the school I went to, was very much more interested in kind of. Uh, more like Bertrand Russell kind of um, like logic and linguistics and stuff like that. 
And so I, it, I was unhappy about it. <laughs> and I wasn't thrilled. Uh, and I also kind of, I met a bunch of philosophy professors by virtue of being in the philosophy department. Um, and I found out how miserable most people in academia were, at least at NYU. <laughs> I can't speak, you know, everywhere. Uh, but they, they seemed miserable and they hated it. And, you know, and there was like so much backbiting and drama and poly- it was it was crazy. It was like, you know, like Mean Girls or something, the way that they would all like plot against each other and stuff. I realized that it wasn't really a thing I wanted to do anymore. And around the same time, I'd fall, you know, like I have always kept a toe in comics. Uh, and but, you know, like a lot of people, I kind of fell off while I was in high school and I got a car and girlfriends and applying to colleges and uh, all that good stuff. And I had kind of fallen off, um, but I sort of fell back into it just by virtue of living in New York City, where there's so many good comic book shops. I grew up in Richmond, Virginia, and there were some good ones, um, but not a whole lot. Uh, and the ones, and even the ones that were quote unquote good comic book shops, they didn't have the breadth of material that your average comic shop just in New York City has, right? So going to school at NYU, I, I had St. Mark's Comics, I had Forbidden Planet, I had Cosmic Comics, which became my favorite and my go-to shop, which doesn't exist anymore, sadly. Um, but what am I talking about? Uh, oh yeah, so <laughs> I felt I felt I fell back into comics. Uh, you know, a friend of mine gave me Watchmen. Um, I fell head over heels in love with the medium all over again, and I immediately sort of got to work figuring out, okay, well, how do I how do I get involved? How do I how do I write comics? That's that's a thing that I think I can do and I want to do, which led to a internship in Marvel Comics, uh, and then uh, I got hired on as an editorial assistant while I was still in college, so I was working there part-time. And then I was, I was fortunate enough that when I graduated, somebody was leaving Tom Brevoort's office, in the which was like the Marvel Heroes group at the time, doing Avengers and all, like New Avengers and all the New Avengers-related books and the big crossovers and things like that. I started around the time, I, like in the midst of House of M, and so that was 2000, uh, those 2005 uh, when I graduated college. And then uh, I stayed there for three years uh, editing comic books. And I assisted on a ton of stuff, right? Uh, House of M, Civil War, Captain America, Iron Man, Wolverine, X-Men books, just a, a laundry list of awesome comic books. Uh, but then I also was the lead editor on a bunch of books, Ghost Rider. So that was the Jason Aaron, uh, Roland Boshi stuff. Uh, Punisher War Journal with Matt Fraction as well as Rick Remender. Uh, I worked with Robert Kirkman on Marvel Team-Up and uh, Irredeemable Ant-Man. Blade with Mark Guggenheim and Howard Chaikin. And a bunch more that I'm probably forgetting. Uh, But uh, notably, just because it just came out and I'm really loving it so far. It finally came out. Uh, The Gendy Tartakovsky Cage comic book was something I started while I was still there. Mm. Uh, as well as uh, Strange Tales was another uh, – like the anthology book. That's another thing I started that didn't actually come out before I left in 2008. Uh, <laughs> from there I went to, to WWE and I left Marvel because I wanted to write. And I had you – know, I felt like I had learned what I could from editing in terms of becoming a better writer. And I knew that you know if I wanted to write comics, I couldn't be editing comics because Marvel had a pretty strict policy about that. Not, not every publisher does, but Marvel did. And I, you know, I got an opportunity to go work at WWE, which wrestling is another one of my big loves. Uh, so I leapt at that opportunity. I started editing freelance. Uh, I was Robert Kirkman's first. Like this is pre Skybound, right? But so I was his first editor on Walking Dead and Invincible and Astounding Wolfman, which was going on at the time. I edited Kick-Ass 2 freelance. I did the Collider books with Mark Guggenheim, another guy that I'd worked with at Marvel. And uh, I started, you know, 
trying to get writing stuff done, uh, create around like pitching, create our own stuff, uh, doing short stories here and there. And you know, uh, that stuff's a slog. Uh, it is, <laughs> it, it's very difficult to become a comic book writer because so many people want to like practically everybody reading comics wants to become a comic book writer, you know? Mm-hmm. So you've got a lot of competition and, uh, yeah, I mean, so that I, I worked at Marvel for, I mean, WWE for a while. Uh, I went freelance, um, Started doing a little bit more comic stuff here and there. A bunch of like adaptation work for both Marvel, like the, for the Soleil books. So they would send me the raw translations for these books, and then I would make it sound like something an actual native speaker would say, you know, just like Google Translate or whatever. And I did start doing that for them as well as for Viz. I've done it for some manga books. Yokai Watch is the most recent one. And uh, yeah, and then eventually I moved in 2012, I moved to. LA to start working with the WWE games, uh, the video games, uh, like doing marketing and stuff. They did that both at THQ as well as 2K. Again, um, the whole time during this period, I'm doing short stories at Marvel and Image and Oni and DC and IDW and you know bits and pieces here and there, but nothing was really clicking. I thought it was, it's good work and I still like it, but most of the time are all the time that's not enough right <laughs> you need to you need to get a head of steam behind you and uh you also need a little bit of luck right you just need the, sh- the chance to shine uh i did a graphic novel with chris moreno called worth uh which uh is very difficult to find now because they didn't print many of them and it's since <laughs> out of print uh which is frustrating and they also took it off comiXology which is mind-blowing to me especially because they've announced that they're developing it as a movie which is cool but nobody can actually read the book that's a tangent. Yeah. uh that's a, that's a unnecessary side but yeah i um <laughs> i i went freelance again because uh they were gonna move the whole wb games operation up to the bay area and i didn't want to go uh because it's just a lot more expensive and i was sort of tired of moving and i like la so i decided to stay here and go freelance again and during that period, I started doing a few things, uh, new things. Uh, one of them was called Straight Shoot and is a professional wrestling podcast and YouTube show that I do weekly, uh, talking about the world of professional wrestling. I have special guests, you know, famous wrestlers, musicians, comedians, actors, screenwriters, whoever. Anybody who's a, a notable fan of pro wrestling, I have them on a chit chat with me about it. And I also started doing a podcast called Scold, which is uh, it's still ongoing. It's actually what I was doing tonight uh, before I dialed in with you guys. Uh, I write a new chapter of it every week. It's a serialized sword and sorcery thing. And then I record each one in a single take. So it's like an oral storytelling thing, right? And if I mess, if I, they're almost all of them are over 30 minutes long. So if I get to minute 28 and I screw up a word, I scrap it and start over again, um, just because it's part of the it's part of the conceit, you know. Uh, and I started doing that as well. And I guess 2000 crap. Uh, I'm trying to think a timeline now. It must have been 2014 or so. 2015. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was 2015. Uh, early 2015. IDW reached out to me. Uh, John Barber uh, was an editor mm-hmm. that I knew from. We worked together at Marvel, right? So I've known that guy for a long time. And he reached out to me. You know, we'd always kept in touch and all. Um, but I guess there was just not there wasn't the place for me, right? Uh, they reached out to me specifically about Street Fighter G.I. Joe because of my wrestling fandom and my wrestling knowledge. And something I talk about a lot on my show and online on Twitter and stuff is a fight-based storytelling, right? This idea that you can you can and should use a fight not just to have people – not just for 
just eye candy, right? To have people punching each other until one of them wins, but to actually impart some information about the characters and tell a little story with the fight itself. And that's something that wrestling does really well. Um, and most comics don't. <laughs> I think it's a, I think it's a failure of a lot of comics that, you know, it's just people shooting lasers at each other until <laughs> or like, or optic beams or, you know, plasma blasts or whatever until one of them does it better than the others. Right. I think that's lousy. And so IDW came to me specifically because they had the Street Fighter G.I. Joe thing and they figured with the wrestling background, I could figure out something to do there. And my bright idea was just to just do it like King of the Ring, to do it like a professional wrestling show and to have a, mm-hmm. have a tournament. And it is just fighting. It is all fighting. And so I've read some reviews that people are like, oh, you know, I don't – it's only fighting. I'm like, yeah. Isn't that great? <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what the heck are you buying a, a, a series – with Street Fighter in the name that's exactly and then complaining that there's too much fighting. I know. That's exactly it. Like, you know, because I, I sat down and when I first started thinking about it, I was like, you know, what what do people want from this thing? Right. I think a lot of times when people do crossovers, they're too clever by half. Like they they kind of overthink it and they, you know, they try and turn it into something that isn't really what people want. And if you have Street Fighter G.I. Joe, what people want is them fighting each other. Like, that's it. You know, like there's like uh, people don't people don't want these like long drawn out um, monologues or you know emotional dialogue exchanges or whatever they want them fighting each other. So that's what mm-hmm. we did, and people liked it. Folks who read it, um, aside from the people who you know were you got the vapors from there being too much fighting or whatever, I guess. Uh, <laughs> IDW loved it, and Hasbro was really excited about it because they liked my approach to the GI Joe characters. More specifically, what they liked about it was that. They weren't interchangeable, which I think sometimes when people write in G.I. Joe, it's especially, you know, when they start to lose like the more recognizable aspects of the costumes and stuff like that and get away from mm-hmm. specialties, they all just become army men. Right. And there's mm-hmm. there's the black army man and there's the, the woman army man and then there's the Asian army man. But they're all just army men. Right. With the same guns and the same specialties, just doing the same stuff. And that was very much not the approach on Street Fighter G.I. Joe. Right. There are eight of each, right? G.I. Joe and um, Street Fighter characters. It was a 16-person tournament. Uh, and so I chose eight of them that would be super distinct and would like provide something very different. They loved it. Hasbro was really excited about it. So when it came time to put together the plans for Revolution, right, and the big crossover and the new shared universe and stuff like that, I think I was kind of a obvious choice for the for the G.I. Joe series because they wanted somebody new. You know, they didn't want somebody who had worked on the G.I. Joe books previously. Even though it is building off the same continuity, they want it to be moving forward and they want it to feel like something new and something different. And they reached out to me about it. And I said, yes, of course. Uh, I love G.I. Joe. As a comic book writer, an ongoing series is the holy grail, right? Like that's that's what you want. Um, mm-hmm. Not just for job security's sake, right? Although it is nice, <laughs> though it is nice having a monthly consistent gig, uh, but also just from the room and the space you get to really stretch out and tell um, not just one ongoing story, but like multiple ones that it weave in and out of each other, right? So I said, of course, yeah, you know, I, I want to do that. Uh, but I started reading back through all the old IDW stuff, uh, not old, but like, you know, the entire run, right? Which is about 8,000 pages. And a lot of it I had read before, but not all of it. And I read everything in the span of like two or three weeks. I just ground through it because they were on a timeline and they needed a pitch. And I wanted to read everything before I pitched because I didn't want to accidentally pitch something that 
that Chuck Dixon had done, right? Like previously. Mm-hmm. And so I read everything. Halfway through, I started getting really nervous because the IDW continuity is mostly, not entirely, because there are like weird things like the mass device stuff and um, the moon colonies and things like that. It's by and large a more realistic take on the franchise because that's just kind of how the property has trended and like what it's moved towards over the past however many years. And I realized that that's not not a thing I could do, right? Um, and I started getting really worried because I, I'm not, I haven't served in the military. You know, I'm not Larry Hammer. I haven't served in the military, right? The military aspects of GI Joe, like the hard, serious, like everybody in fatigues and night vision goggles and um, busting in on like terrorist compounds and stuff like that. Like all the stuff that makes it realistic isn't really what I ever loved about the franchise. And so I called Carlos, uh, my current editor, and John, who is still working and told him, I was like, listen, guys, I'm reading all this stuff and a lot of it's really good, uh, but I'm a little concerned because I can't do this. Even if I could, I don't want to. Like, this isn't the approach that I would want to do on G.I. Joe. And I said, are you, is that going to be a problem? Like, And they said, they said, absolutely not, because we want something new. We want something different. And again, like th- this is what we liked about your take on the Street Fighter G.I. Joe stuff is that it is a little bit, for lack of a better term, a little cartoony, right? It is a little bit hyperbolic and over the top and lean into these kind of more out there, like sci-fi elements of things. So yeah, that gets us to here, right? I did it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good night, folks. <laughs> made it. I am a fan of the Street Fighter G.I. Joe crossover. It's one of those crossovers that I'm actually pro for. It makes sense. Plus, there's a history of it. Any plans, possibly, of going back for Street Fighter G.I. Joe 2? I'd love to. Uh, I'd be thrilled to, man. Like, if you if you read the series, so, like, I don't want to... It's been out long enough. Yeah. Do we think it's been out long Do enough, it. everybody? Talk! I was okay. going to say, say, the people listening, the people listening, you know, I'm going to talk about some spoilers, so maybe hop ahead, like, a minute or so. Uh, but the people here, you know, if you guys are fine with it, yeah, I, you know, I wrote into the, like, the last three pages are, like, nothing but cliffhangers and, like, yeah. set things up for doing more of them, because I desperately want to do more of them, right? I told, uh, before I was even done, I told Carlos, I was like, listen, I want to do another one of these, and I want it to be 12 issues, because I want 32, con- like, 32 fighters in it, right? Like, I want to make it <laughs> Uh, that's not actually true though. Like, I mean, I set up a lot of cliffhanger stuff. There's the Akuma stuff showing up at the end. There's Cobra getting the body of M. Bison. There's Ryu and Jinx and Storm Shadow and Snake Eyes all training together, right? Oh, and Ken too. Ken's there as well. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of stuff we could play with. I'd love to. I, I made a joke about like doing like the bigger tournament. Honestly, though, like what I would really like to do uh, if I got a chance to go back, which there are no plans for it right now, not because people didn't like it, but just there's just not plans. Right. And these crossovers are they're a bear to organize because mm-hmm. it's two licensors. Right. It's two big companies. And, you know, Street Fighter, like Capcom wanted to do it because they wanted to come out around the time of the new Street Fighter game. Right. Right. Uh, and, you know, it'll probably be another few years before they have another Street Fighter game come out. So who knows? But. If I got a chance to go back, I'll say this, what I would do, like, about the approach. Street Fighter G.I. Joe, Street Fighter, and, and I told people, I mean, this is actually something, have you guys read the Seoli and Barber Transformers G.I. Joe? Yes. yes. It's bonkers, and I love it. It's yes, very totally. polarizing, so if you don't, I totally get it. We can still be bros. But yeah, I love that. <laughs> One of the things I really thought was smart uh, that Seoli said when talking about it, like, early on, he was like, you know... It's Transformers G.I. Joe, not G.I. Joe Transformers. It's a Transformers book with G.I. Joe. And so I I think that 
that was probably a marketing choice because Transformers is uh, a stronger brand. That's kind of always been my fear about the Transformers crossover. It's Transformers featuring G.I. Joe. Yeah, I mean, and like, I mean, and that's a great book, right? But like, it is very much, it's a Transformers story. And like, the G.I. Joes are very much a part of it. And they're, they're crucial to that story. But it is a Transformers story, right? It's great for what it is. And it's not, not for what it is. That sounds dismissive. It's great, period. <laughs> Uh, definitively, it's great. Uh, we can edit that out for you. It's good. Sure, you don't need to. Please do. I fixed it. Uh, Bleep him. Bleep uh, <laughs> they, uh, Street Fighter G.I. Joe, similarly, Street Fighter is the first name in the title. And that, that to me, was a sign, you know, and an indication of, you know, what we should probably prioritize. And so I took G.I. Joe characters and put them in a Street Fighter scenario, which is to say a big tournament and them fighting each other. Uh, if we were to do a sequel, I'd want to call it G.I. Joe Street Fighter and put Street Fighter characters in more of a G.I. Joe type scenario, right? What that means, I have no idea because nobody's paid me to come up with it yet. <laughs> but I'd love, but like that would be the, the guiding philosophy. How about if you wanted to up the ante, since you're already working with Capcom, how about Capcom versus G.I. Joe? Hmm. I'd love to get them to agree to it. You know, uh, <laughs> little Mega or, Man versus Snake Eyes sure, action. Sure, I'll do it. Uh, no, man, I already like. Uh, or go talk to SNK for me. Do it. SNK versus Capcom versus GI Joe. I'd have to do more research for that one because I don't really know SNK as well. But yeah, no, I, one of the things I, I really am dying to do, and I was hoping that like the Street Fighter GI Joe stuff would lead to more. Capcom stuff at IDW, and it hasn't yet. But fingers crossed, man. I really want to do a final fight comic oh wow <laughs> nice. i want i want mike hagar former professional wrestler turned mayor hitting the streets looking for his daughter braining people with a pipe that's what i want that'd be awesome sounds like you sold three copies right here it's, 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 one, of my, it's one of my all-time favorite high concepts the former professional wrestler who becomes mayor and then as soon as his daughter is kidnapped, he puts on his one strap overalls and goes out to beat people to death to get them back. I love it. You know, I'm, I'm about to share my extreme geekiness, but when I was in junior high and in high school, I actually created a, a video game shared universe comic that I wrote that had like Ninja Gaiden characters in it and Final Fight characters in it. And they were all like this big, huge group all battling each other and living in the same world. It was kind of sold. I love sold. it. I'm on board. Nerd, nerd. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> wasn't uh, wasn't wasn't Hager the guy that had like the flying pile driver move? Of course, of course he did. Okay. Yeah. What else right. did he have? Right. <laughs> uh, I mean, his yeah. name's Hagar. Come on, that's what Hagars do. No, Sammy Hagar doesn't do that. <laughs> he you. makes tequila. <laughs> tequila. Tequila. That's that's Joe's tequila, that's yeah. Joe's contribution to the show right there. Tequila. <laughs> Drinking and throat punching. It's always the one you least suspect. How was it working with uh, Yanis Milano Yanis? Like, how uh, is it? how nuts did he go redoing Quick Kick? Awesome! Uh, it's great working with Yanni. I was really, I feel, I feel really fortunate that we were able to snag him. Quite frankly, because uh, I was a huge fan of what he did on the Profit relaunch and Image, right? Like part of that extreme relaunch that they did. Uh, Brandon Graham wrote a lot of stuff, and Simon Roy, I know. I love Yanni's work on that, and he kind of disappeared from the marketplace and i didn't know what had happened i just kind of assumed that he was off doing like greek comics that weren't getting translated you know and that's why i hadn't heard about it turns out that guy was doing his mandatory 
military service. Right. <laughs> uh, and so, like, like that's why he just, you know, there's, and if you can imagine, there's no time to draw comic books when you're, <laughs> when you're, you're no. serving the military. Obviously, that works great with G.I. Joe, right? That he's got this military experience, too. But no, it's fantastic. I For the redesigns, I sent him a massive, massive document of thoughts and visual reference and, you know, not just for specific characters, but also for, like, the series as a whole and, like, just kind of what I'm thinking. And, you know, and none of it was orders or commands or requirements because – it really is a collaboration um, between, like, amongst the team, which Lovren Kinzierski, our colorist, is also a crucial, crucial part of um, sort of defining what the visual aesthetic of this book is going to be. Uh, but no, I I sent him a lot of ideas about the redesigns, right? And some of them, the rock and roll one is pr- like what you see is from rock and roll is pretty much exactly what I had suggested, right? You know, it's very simple, but that was just the look and. He said, yeah, you're right, and he did it. Uh, the quick kick one actually um, is a little bit different from what I had originally envisioned because, you know, in the IDW continuity, he's um, he's Chinese-American, right? And I really wanted to lean into all the kung fu stuff and so, like, like the, the, the movie-style kung fu things. And I wanted to kind of – I didn't want to completely – you know, so quick kick is uh, – as originally um, – depicted uh wouldn't really fly in 2016 right like it's a little hashtag problematic right <laughs> this like very like caricature based look at like look at it like an asian guy right uh and so i knew we're gonna have to- shoes are totally overrated and so, yeah. <laughs> especially in the arctic yeah so i i knew we were gonna have to get away from that uh, but i didn't want to completely abandon you know we were talking about earlier right like i didn't want to just put him in fatigues and now he's the asian army man you shouldn't abandon it because i think even hasbro a couple of years ago released a figure and, and clearly bruce lee was the inspiration for sure yeah i mean so what my suggestion was was i had all these ideas for like um, like if you know like uh, how like Shaolin monks dress, right? Like with the um, like the kind of the billowy orange, and then like the the tight stuff around the calves, and then like the slippers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I had like I had outlined this whole thing of like how we're gonna like sort of nod at that color scheme, and also like even like just kind of like the billowy of the shirt, and then like the kind of tight like calf area and stuff like that. And some of that made it in, right? Like he's wearing orange a lot of times, and he has like the tighter stuff. But Yanni really went more of an in, in an MMA direction with him, right? Like he looks like. He could be like a bantamweight UFC fighter or something, you know, in terms of like like during training camp or something, uh, which I love. Uh, I'm I'm super into it. Yeah, it's uh, it was fun. It was fun kind of redesigning stuff because Hasbro was really flexible with us because again, you know, they recognized that we need to do something new with GI Joe, right? Mm-hmm. If we we're just going to do what GI Joe has been and you know continues to be with the Hama stuff, then there's no point. Because that book already exists, right? We don't need a second Real American Hero book. So Hasbro was very, very open-minded about what we were going to do. I don't really think they turned down anything. Uh, And a big part of that was because we wanted to stay true to the characters. And we wanted to, you know, we wanted to retain aspects of it, right? Like retain the most crucial part. I think Scarlet's a great example, right? You know, we lost... We lost her furry swimsuit, right? Which I've always like, I love Scarlet. I love Scarlet as a character, but I've always hated the furry swimsuit just because it feels ridiculous and dismissive, right? Like she's she's a badass. Me. I dress up as Scarlet, and it is weird wearing that with harnesses and combat 
like yeah, equipment. It's, it's a, I'm like, why am I wearing a bathing suit? <laughs> it's it's silly, right? So what we did, was, but you know, we didn't want to completely abandon that look because it is very, it's a defining element of Scarlet, even though we didn't personally much care for it anymore. You know, it felt dated. Uh, so instead of having that kind of outline and that look defined by the swimsuit, uh, Yanni instead uses that like khaki tactical vest, right? So it gives you the same, it gives you the same look, right? And like the color profile and everything, uh, but in a way that feels more modern and more fitting for a woman who is in charge of GI Joe. I, I feel dirty after calling it a furry <laughs> swimsuit. <laughs> That's what it is though, right? Is that crazy? I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying I feel dirty. <laughs> Mike goes ahead and takes it there. I think this is a good time for Justin to save this segment. Justin, oh, Justin leaning on me to do that? I don't know. That's that's not my <laughs> forte, really. I just stole his line. That's what he's trying to tell me. <laughs> yeah, I got to cross out this uh, furry swimsuit line and think of something else now. Thanks, Mike. You'll just go on mute, and that's normally when you say the best things. <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> right. Best joke ever is while I'm, my microphone is muted every single time. Well, it's interesting. I mean, what, one of the questions I actually had for you was around that whole Street Fighter, you know, XGI Joe series and the whole telling the story oh, by combat. By the way, it's a really hey, fascinating hey, idea. Let, let me interrupt you to tell you yeah. that you should feel free to interrupt me. I'm, I'm going to, I will, I, I'm like a gas. I will stand <laughs> to fit whatever space you give me. I will just yammer for 45 minutes. Yeah, I've noticed that. It's, it's like, throw Audrey a question, pull pin, throw, walk away. I'm here to promote, man. I'm here to sell. <laughs> here to 45 <laughs> minutes later. Good night, folks. Segment's I done. <laughs> he don't need no stinking hype man. He is the stinking hype man. <laughs> this is great. You no, are an interviewer's fantastic. dream. So, <laughs> Justin, uh, well, I mean, dude, a lot of that comes from doing my own show, right? I know that yes. my favorite guests are the ones that I just have to rein in sometimes, right? Like, I don't, like, it's it sucks when you're having to pull teeth with people. So, no, I, I'm i ready to go, man. Uh, please, uh, move forward. If I mention something you want to go deeper on, interrupt me. Yeah, let's, no, let's I'm just, I'm, I'm fascinated with that because I, you know, I've I've studied martial arts a little bit in, in the past and I've, one of my favorite uh, actors back in the day was, was Jackie Chan and just the way he, his, his kind of, Kind of more cinematic martial arts stuff kind of told the story of what that you know who that character was and that really reminded me of that kind of thing with your talk about Street Fighter but what I'm more curious about is kind of how do you conceptualize that way with everything you write like do you have some kind of underlying themes of the ongoing G.I. Joe title that you know are, are similar to that or, or how do you view the way this G.I. Joe ongoing is going to work. I mean, obviously, without it being paired with Street Fighter, there isn't that intrinsic uh, combat element to it. But do you have some kind of theme in mind that you go for with every issue going out there? You know, something above just you know good versus evil. Um, how do you, how are you kind of approaching that from a writing standpoint? Yeah, it's a great question. Obviously, there's not going to be as much fighting in, um, <laughs> in like I don't know, like you couldn't have as you couldn't have as any more fighting than you have in Street Fighter GI. <laughs> right? uh, so it, it is not going to be as much either, uh, because really, you know, for me, what like there's a lot and there's a lot of action, right? I mean, you guys saw the three page preview, right? And it mm -hmm. just opens with uh, ninjas that are robot ninjas, and then um, you guys have seen the page seven, right, where Skywarp shows up. Um, 
there's a lot, a lot of action in every single issue. That's super important to me. I hate boring comic books. I hate talking head comic books. It's a visual medium, and you need to have big stuff happening to justify a comic book's existence. Otherwise, just write prose, right? Um, and now, now Brian Michael Bendis isn't going to listen to the show. <laughs> ben, you know, Bendis gets a bad rap. I mean, I, I, I liked working with Brian at Marvel, though. Um, you know, he writes a lot of dialogue, uh, but that guy knows how to build to moments, too. And that's and that's the thing with G.I. Joe. You know, I it need, there needs to be combat and there needs to be fighting and there needs to be big action set pieces. And I've mentioned this a lot of places, but for me, the biggest G.I. Joe influence um, in terms of breaking down what we're doing in the new ongoing is the Sunbow cartoon series. And I've been rewatching a lot of them. And something that I really love about it is how efficient it is. You know, it's 20, it's 22 minutes or however long it is, probably a little bit longer because less commercials back in those days. And it's serialized. And it's for kids. And so they have to, you know, it wasn't like, it's not like now where you would binge it on Netflix, right? Like you might, you might have stuff going on that week and you just miss three or four episodes of it. You have no idea what's going on, you know? And so, um, they have to start with the intro thing that say last time on G.I. Joe, here's what happened. And it's like 800 things, right? (laughs) There there are a million things that happen and there's so many characters and they have to be really quick about it because they have to get into that week's episode where there are 8 million more things happening and they're introducing 20 new G.I. Joe characters because their toys are going on sale before Christmas. So we got to get them out there. And it's a frantic, frenetic pace, but it's one that I find really exciting because that show is nothing but plot and big action set pieces and people zinging each other, right? And doing one-liners. And a lot of that stuff doesn't hold up because, you know, it was you know, it was very quickly dashed off kids entertainment in the 80s. And so, uh, you know, some of the jokes aren't they don't hit as well as they might have once. Uh, but I still love that as a concept and lo- I love that as an approach. Um, and I think that it's one that is missing from a lot of contemporary comics, right? Is this willingness to really lean into the most fun aspects of things, right? Like I don't I don't want to read a grim and gritty G.I. Joe. I don't want to write a grim and gritty G.I. Joe. I want to write these characters having fun and fighting evil stuff and you know fighting uh monsters or giant robots or robot ninjas or whatever. You know, whatever it is that week. The dreadnoughts are a big part of the first arc. That's the approach that we're going for with this thing, right? Like it's it's meant to be an optimistic aspect. Like the term I used a lot when we we're discussing what the book was going to be at the IDW Writers Summit was aspirational, uh, because that's what I think GI Joe. That's how I think GI Joe works best um, when it is something to aspire to. It worked for what they were doing, but I have no interest in going back to something that was a very common theme in the previous IDW G.I. Joe comics, which was this idea that, you know, um, the Joe characters are morally conflicted. And if you get right down to it, G.I. Joe is no different than Cobra and they both do bad things and they, they use people up and they throw them away. I hate that. I hate it because (laughs) I think, you know, this might be like the professional wrestling in me, right? Like looking at things as like morality tales and stuff. But for me, G.I. Joe works best when G.I. Joe is good and Cobra is evil. And that, Sounds super simplistic, but it doesn't have to be. There's a lot of there's a lot of drama that you can wring out of what are pretty black and white um, moral distinctions, right? That's a big guiding thing moving forward. Also, playing up soap opera elements, right? I mean, this is one of the benefits of doing an ongoing series where you know it's not a situation where they said, "Hey, Aubrey, we want you for the first arc." 
You know, we want you for, or we want you for the first year. I'm the GI Joe writer, right? Until they drag me away from this thing, kicking and screaming, I'm writing GI Joe. I've got the first year planned out already. I've got notes and, and approved, right, by IDW and Hasbro both. Um, and I've also got notes for subsequent years. That's plural, years, right? I have a massive, crazy person notebook full of this stuff. Because what makes me, what I like most about ongoing series is that there's room to really stretch out and have an ensemble cast and have multiple and have arcs for each of these characters, which is a big part of the plan that I think that what's going to get people to buy G.I. Joe and check it out is how awesome all this big action looks, right? The big shot of Skywarp standing over the team and looking at the ninjas and stuff like that. That's going to cause people to pick the issue up. But what's going to what's going to get them to keep reading and to buy the next issue is if they fall in love with the characters. And for that to happen, we need the soap opera stuff. We need – and when I say soap opera, I don't mean, you know um, – love triangles and so-and-so comes back from the dead evil twins yeah evil twins like (laughs) no like uh i'm writing down evil twin now for later i'm not talking about the goofier aspect what i'm really just talking about is i mean it's a thing you see in professional wrestling too which is this is serialized entertainment you know or spider-man right like classic spider-man it's super soap opery because that's how you get people to want to tune in to serialized entertainment right like these interlocking weaving personal stories that are impacted by the big set pieces and action i, I rattled off a bunch of things that you just now um but, but because like you know my approach to writing things all things right is really it's it's kind of an analytic one until i sit down to actually do it right and i make lists for myself and you know, I started this process off with big lists of what is it that I like about G.I. Joe and what do I think G.I. Joe has been missing and how do I make this thing a success? Like how do I, you know, um, kind of buck the trend of recent years of G.I. Joe getting short thrift, short shrift? Uh, because the fact that I mean, I say it all the time, uh, but I believe it. G.I. Joe is the crown jewel of the Hasbro universe and it should – it should. Amen. It should be. It's the cornerstone, right? Uh, like no matter how you want to look at it. Uh, if you look at it in terms of timeline, G.I. Joe is the oldest. If you look at it in terms of what enabled everything else to be, man, Hasbro doesn't have the money to – I don't even – I forget what it's called. But like like whatever Transformers was called in Japan. Oh, Takara. Like, yeah. G- Hasbro doesn't have the money to right. get – No, you're right. Without G.I. Joe. G.I. Joe is crucial. It is core to – if you're going to have a Hasbro universe, you cannot not have G.I. Joe, right? Yeah. Um, especially with the way this thing is – like the universe is now set up with – Earth is kind of beset on all sides by giant robots and miniature astronauts and space knights and um, uh, dire wraiths and whatever the hell you want to call mask, right? I don't have a clever name. I don't have a clever thing for that. Uh, I'm still working on that. Uh, But, you know, they're beset on all sides and the world needs somebody to protect them, right? Like there needs to be someone there performing this role of protecting the world from stuff that is, you know, far above – the Earth's previous ability to handle, right? And that's where G.I. Joe comes in. G.I. Joe is a crucial part of this universe moving forward. That's why it's the crown jewel of the Hasbro universe. Uh, and also because it's really good. And I think <laughs> I'm really excited. Like, we're two weeks out at this point. But I'm really excited for you guys to see the book because it is good. It's 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 excellent. I, I'm so proud of it. And I think everybody, everybody working on it is firing on all cylinders. It's the exact right creative team. And it's it's something new. And I'm not, you know, I'm not under any illusion. I think this is a good thing to point out 
on shows like you guys that is very much geared towards hardcore G.I. Joe fans. Uh, this book isn't going to be for everybody. It just simply isn't. Um, a, because nothing is for everybody. And B, because a lot of the hardcore long-term Joe fan base, they really like what Larry Hama does. And as I mentioned earlier, uh, I feel like it would be disrespectful to Larry Hama to come in and just do Larry Hama light. Nobody wants that. No, Larry Hama Light's kind of already been done with Devil's Due. Well, that's the thing. I mean, like, and they, like that approach has been tried. You yes, know? And, you're right. And I don't, I don't think anybody wants that really. You know, even if they say they do, that's not what they really no. want. And I think the sales would bear that out. Furthermore, you know, speaking of sales, GI Joe, I hate admitting this, but the fact of the matter is, GI Joe is a much less robust franchise than Transformers. As much as I don't think that should be the case, look at the numbers. You know, Transformers has these massively popular big movies and then that drives everything else right i agree with you there and i think we all at least on this show definitely agree with you my thing is is what i don't really want the crossover with the transformers is the transformers are big enough we need to put joe up against a a group like street fighter what do you mean crossover you just mean skywarp showing up in the book were you, were you one of these guys get up in my ass on the... On oh, the no, but we will get there in just a second. We will get there in just a second. No, I am not a big crossover fan with Transformers. However, I am a big G.I. Joe crossover fan with Street Fighter and Danger Girl and some of those other ones, which I think are slightly lesser titles that gives a chance for G.I. Joe to boost them up instead of Transformers featuring G.I. Joe. If I can point out to you, this isn't a crossover. It's a G.I. Joe book with a Transformer in it. I got you. Uh, you know, the crossover happened already. That was revolution. And uh, it is a shared universe now. And that's part of the buy-in. And if you know, and that's another thing, too. If people just hate the idea of G.I. Joe existing in a world with these other properties, it's just not going to be the book for them. You know, and I'm OK with that because to my point about the sales, we know what a G.I. Joe book that caters to just the hardcore G.I. Joe fans sells. Mm-hmm. Right. Because we can look at the Larry Hama sales every single month. Right. Yeah. In order in order for this and this book. Again, if I went Larry Hama light, it's going to sell less than that because I'm not Larry Hama, right? In order for this book to succeed, in order for it to continue going, in order for it to you know, become as big and as it should be and to spawn additional G.I. Joe books, which is what I want more than anything, right? I want to write two G.I. Joe books every month because I'm a crazy person. Uh, I got enough stories for it. I want to do it. <laughs> the more media, the better. This is exactly it, and this is my point. Um, in order to make that happen, we need to appeal to new fans. We have to. It's just the the uh, the numbers don't lie. You have to get new new blood in excited about GI Joe, and the way you do that is by giving them a type of GI Joe that they haven't seen before, but one that sticks to and adheres to what it is that we all love about the franchise. And so I think that's the that's the trick is finding a way to update and provide something new and provide something different than what we've seen before, but that still is true to the spirit of GI Joe. Let me follow up with that one because you mentioned getting your ass chewed on a Facebook group. Once I saw that go down, I said, Mike, we really need to get this guy on the show <laughs> because it, it brought up a, an interesting point. And I, I'm going to side on your side here, so don't worry. But I'll, I'll go ahead and say things that you, you don't want to say. The fans were pretty horrible in that thread. It is a little discerning that there really is no G.I. Joe Bible. But, but, but I hear that you're keeping a notebook and that's good. But do you think maybe the G.I. Joe Bible might be at this point be a better fan project than a project that's handled by one of the comic publishers? Uh, sure. I mean, I, one of my one of my first posts was asking why there's no why nobody's updated the G.I. Joe wiki 
right, which is crowdsourced and fan updated with IDW stuff, right? I mean, and, and that's and not enti- like that's not true across the board. Uh, there are some characters that do have some of their IDW stuff dropped in, but most of them don't, mm-hmm. right? There's just there's just mm-hmm. no representation there. I absolutely think it's a thing that people should keep up with. So not to do it as like a service to me, but because they do it for everything else already. Why not do it? Why not do it for IDW as well? I wouldn't even say a service to you. You're right. I'd just say it's a service to the rest of the fans that would yeah, care to look that information up. It's fun. If you're a fan of something, you like being able to go to a wiki and find all that stuff in one place and have it cross-referenced mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Um, as far as the, I mean, so I don't know. I feel like we're getting deep into the weeds here. But like the whole thing about like, oh, how, how dare they not have a series Bible? Nobody does. <laughs> I mean, I know there's there's I know there was like a guy in the comments who said that Marvel pays an editor to keep up with continuity. That's just a lie. That's just not true. I worked at Marvel and I actually texted a friend of mine who currently works at Marvel to say, hey, do you guys have a guy on staff who keeps up with continuity? And he said, no, <laughs> that doesn't exist. Don't worry about that. That guy thinks he knows a whole lot more than what he really actually knows. So and, and I'll say that for you. You don't have to say that. But and I, that's why I wanted to get you on the show is like, come on now. But the idea, the idea that there, that there should be a that there should be a series bible that every, that every you get sent out to everybody, it's constantly updated. Like, yeah, in a perfect world, I guess there should be. But in the realities of comic book publishing and the workloads of the people making these things and the margins of how much it costs and how much money they have coming in, it's just not feasible. Nobody has that. That's why I kind of baited the question: Do you think this should be a fan source thing? Because Justin's site can only do so much. Yojo can mm-hmm. only do so much. There are some other G.I. Joe comic sites that aren't updated as regularly as they should be. But, I mean, that really, really sounds like a project yelling for fan involvement to go ahead and honcho. I think that would be well received by not just people that want to use the G.I. Joe license, but all the fans. And the framework's there. I mean, there's the there's like the G.I. Joe wiki. Like, I forget exactly what it's called, but it's like a wikia thing. Like, mm. the, the structure's already... It's not like you have to build a new site or anything. Like, the structure's already there. You just have to go in and edit it and do it, you know? Uh, mm-hmm. I'm, hoping, I'm hoping that once, you know, the new ongoing starts and everybody falls in love with it and it's a huge sensation and, you know, um, people are screaming its praises from the rooftops and everything. Um, once we've been going on for a while, I'm hoping people will start... Uh, pop it in and updating that thing. It would be great. Well, here you go, folks. You heard it here. Fan-sourced opportunity looking you right in the face. Yeah, yeah it's, it's at gijo.wikia.com. There it is. And like, uh, like Aubrey said, it's fan-edited. You know, Anybody can log in and upload images. I know one, one thing that I've constantly struggled with is kind of fan involvement in the G.I. Joe online community. I've been in the online community for a long time, doing a lot of work um, trying to promote the brand and do different things like that. And it can be a little bit frustrating trying to get other folks involved in a promotional endeavor or a reference endeavor and understanding the fact that what they do helps the brand thrive and survive and grow and it's um it can be a little frustrating so i'm yeah. i'm hoping that maybe this folks will listen to this and realize that oh there's a place that i can log in and just and do this i don't have to go off and do my own thing on my own website and eight different places there's one place right here where you can just kind of put this stuff up and absolutely and, and it's reliable it. and you know it's crowdsourced so people can check up on each other and all do we know who runs that, Justin? I really don't know. I'm I'm kind of poking around at it a little bit, and I'm looking at a bunch of different pages on there and stuff, but I cannot really find out who um, who really started it. I mean, obviously, the, Wik- the Wikia site is a um, 
like Aubrey said, crowdsource yeah. kind of general repository. It just depends on who gets the thing started. Well, let's throw it out there. If, if you're listening and you, you started the G.I. Joe Wiki, email the program, what's on Joe Mine at gmail.com. We'd like to give you credit where credit's due. I don't want to come off like I'm beating up on the uh, the Joe community, right? It's just that specific instance, like I thought was insane because people seem to be upset that there was no series Bible, but then they were also upset at me trying to assemble information that amounts to a series Bible, right? Like, which mm-hmm. it seems contradictory. Uh, but the thing is, I, I've seen way worse, man. Uh, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't think the GI Joe community is a disaster or anything to shake your head at. Uh, man, I worked at Marvel, so the comic book community. I worked at WE, so wrestling community. I worked at 2K and THQ, so video game communities. I was doing marketing and social media and forums and website and all that stuff for the WWE video games. Uh, you guys have nothing on them. Right? <laughs> they, are, they are brutal. They are brutal. They are vicious. Video game. And I think it's less wrestling and more just video games. Uh, video game communities, uh, they're monsters. They're absolute monsters. Uh, so, yeah, no, I, I that was like – that's one instance – of uh, I thought it was kind of a crazy thing, but I also here's the thing I I understand the reluctance to get behind whatever number relaunch or reboot this is. I get mm-hmm. it. I totally understand. You know, um, because they watched IDW like in the and I read all those comics recently, so I'm mm-hmm. keenly aware of what a kind of disjointed run it is. You mean how I, they can't get above issue 27? Well, that's the thing, you know, I mean, and like, and that's, I, I know that's like a really common complaint um, yeah. from comic book fans is, you know, oh, well, why they need to reboot this? Why do they need to have a new number one? And there's an answer for that. And the answer is that people buy number ones more. Mm-hmm. And so if you're going to have a new team come on, a lot of times it, it just makes fiscal sense, right? And so I know, you know, people get up, long-term fans get very upset. And this isn't just G.I. Joe, it's every comic book thing. But there's a fiscal reality there too, right? That you, you do need, I'm talking less in terms of like the numbering because that stuff doesn't matter to me ultimately, right? I'm talking about the I'm talking about the story and the tone and the approach. Uh, and there were drastic tonal shifts um, throughout that run as they tried to figure out where to go with it and what's going to work and what should we do with this and what should the approach be? And a lot of times the multiple writers on it, it felt like they were working at cross purposes, not, not intentionally, but because they wanted to go in different directions. Right. And I I get how that would engender um, a reluctance and a reticence from the the community to really get behind something new. Um, And to that, all I can really say is that, and I mentioned already that like, I'm in for the long haul man. Like I, this isn't a situation where I want to do six issues and then hop off to something else. I want to stay for years. I want to have a sh- bookshelf full of GI Joe trade paperbacks with my name on it. And Yanni's name too. Cause I want that guy to stay on forever as well. Um, like it's, and furthermore, you know, I think that even though people might have some ambivalence towards the fact that it's a shared universe, right? Um, I think Gary, you, you mentioned that you were not thrilled about the Transformers stuff, right? I'm not, but I'm not saying that's anything negative against your work. So, no, no, no. So here's Gary. Gary does not like chocolate in his peanut butter. <laughs> so, Gary, let me... This is a long, long, long-term thing. This is even going back to the original well, GI Joe versus Transformers. Let's not get into that. But let me just—I just, uh, just want to—I want to I bring it up because I want to tell you this: a very significant silver line um, of the fact that GI Joe is now in a universe with Transformers, 
Mask, ROM, and Micronauts, right? And that silver lining is that we're not going to be changing course in four or five issues, right? We're not going to be throwing everything out and trying things again with an entirely new status quo after a year of doing this thing because it's now part of a universe. And it needs to it needs to stay consistent with not just itself but also this larger universe where – I don't know if you guys have seen, but G.I. Joe characters are showing up in practically every other book as well. Right. They are ingrained in this new universe. So while you might not be thrilled about them sharing space with um, all these other characters and franchises, uh, there is something good about this. Right. Even if you hate that, which is that we've got time for the book to really find its legs. Right. Because as I mentioned earlier, they're not going to do a, they're not going to do a Hasbro shared universe without G.I. Joe, which gives us, um, you know, an extended period of time to really create what this book is going to be and establish it and get it seated in the rest of the books as well so that we're not going to have these dramatic tonal shifts that have plagued the line. Okay. Right? I mean, do you disagree? I will concede that it is a good thing. Not my cup of tea. I mean, I bought your first couple books. We knew that you were coming on the show, so I wanted to read up a little bit. I am solidly in a very, very, very tiny minority of don't like the crossovers. Gary, this isn't a crossover. It's not a crossover. It's not a crossover. It's not a crossover. Sorry. <laughs> Old habits die hard. I think you'll have a lot of people that will read it. I think the book will do very well. I think it will energize and jazz a lot of fans up. Well, and that's, and that's the point, you know. And the reason the reason I keep saying uh, crossover is not to beat up on you. It's because it's an important distinction that I think a lot of people are missing out on. And that's why um, – so there's another like – there's another dust up on the G.I. Joe discussion board uh, because people saw that there was a Transformer on the team and they immediately assumed, uh, like I think you are, that it's a crossover book, that it's not a G.I. Joe book. You're, you're just, allowed hey, to beat up on him. Uh, no, 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 no. It just gets edited out. <laughs> no, but I mean I think that a lot of people are making the same assumption, right? That it's not going to be a G.I. Joe book. It's a G.I. Joe Transformers book or maybe even a Transformers G.I. Joe book or a Transformers book with G.I. Joe in it. And that's not the case. I mean it is – it is, and, and you guys will see once the issue comes out, right? And you've seen the whole thing. But it is a G.I. Joe book with a Transformer in it. And you don't have to like that, right? Like if you hate Transformers or you hate Skywarp or – you know, if you just firmly believe that like having – a big 20-foot robot on the team like throws the power dynamic all off or whatever. Totally fine. Um, I hope people will give it a shot because I think we deal with that pretty well and pretty cleverly. Um, but I, I really, really do want to belabor the point for anybody listening that this is not a crossover. It is not a team-up book. It is a G.I. Joe book where a Transformer happens to be on the team, which I think is an important distinction. I think it's just the semantics of kind of where – Pepsi Coke, and I'm calling it a Coke or, or whatever. It's an old habit diehard type thing. And once more people get into it, I, I'm sure that you'll hear more people shared universe or it's a G.I. Joe book with a 20-foot robot in it. I mean, in, in that universe, it's almost a requirement. You know, the, they're, the Joes, just from a, a story standpoint, if you don't have some kind of an ally in your corner that has that kind of power you're kind of you're you're kind of relegated to window dressing at that point. Yeah, so I, I I'm, I'm in favor of it. Yeah, I mean I think that that's a concern. You know, I, I think that you get around that because the Joes have awesome weaponry, right? And there's like a bunch of ways you can cleverly write around that. But for me, it's just cool. He's not one of the tape recorder GI or uh, Transformers, <laughs> right? Like it's not it's not like it's not running like around with eject. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's not even like it's not even like it's um oh it's Bumblebee, right? Like which is a big name, but like I don't know, it's just a car, right? Who cares? He's a jet. He's a fighter jet. <laughs> I will say though that Bumblebee, the current edition, is a cool car. Okay. Well, yeah, but he's still just a car, right? Still a cool car. So, <laughs> Skywarp is a fighter jet. How perfect is that? He's driving show? a Mustang. Don't listen to him. <laughs> Mustang. Mustang. Come on, man. Whatever. I don't do that. I quit listening to you because you just, it's just car talk. McLeod found the irony thick that I was driving a Camaro. <laughs> he's like, I can't believe the guy that doesn't like Transformers, he's driving a Camaro. <laughs> Here's the thing. Again, it's not going to be for everybody. If a Transformer being on the team is a non-starter for you, ugh. It's it's not for you because the transformer is on the team. But I do I do yeah I, I do want to make sure people know that it is most definitely a GI Joe book and he's the part that's added in. You know it's not it's not a Skywarp book where Scarlet shows up right. Sure. So there you go. I'm gonna say too. I'm gonna I'm gonna come clean with my own admissions here. I'm not a huge Street Fighter guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you know I, I saw the the solicitations for for your series and was like oh man it's not it's it's past street fighter 2 i don't even know who these guys are <laughs> and then actually read you know read the book and was like hey you know this is this is fun this is an enjoyable read i was glad that i did it come on mike catch up with world fighter would you <laughs> and and then we got into to revolution and i was i i was not optimistic and and i started reading revolution a little bit and and was like you know what this is all right this this is okay. It was a lot to jam into five books. Yeah. Granted, so so if I have one complaint, that was it. But I understand it's it's just just a kickoff point, just a starting point. But I don't mind this universe for the Joes to run around in. It's early in the run. We haven't seen a lot yeah. of Skywarp. Obviously, you're going to reveal more of that as the story goes on. I'm sure. So what was your thinking there? That not not only is a Transformer going to be on the Joe team, why a Decepticon? Uh, my first choice was Starscream uh, because he's my favorite. Um, and I wanted a jet. Unfortunately, you know, they Starscream is one of the biggest characters. So they have plans for him, right? They couldn't just <laughs> give me one of their biggest characters for the GI Joe book. But they said, you know, we do have Scar- we do have Skywarp available, um, and Skywarp's really interesting because he can teleport, but he can't right now because he's all jammed up from stuff that's ha- happened in the Transformers book, right? Which I'm not going to get into because it doesn't matter for our purposes here. The real reason, though, that I wanted – it wasn't a situation where, like, oh, I can't have Starscream. Well, what about my other favorite character, right? Um, the real reason, though, is because I wanted a Vegeta character. Are you all okay. Dragon Ball Z fans? I know where you're getting at, though. Yes. Yeah, I so, got you. you know, so for people who aren't, if, if you're listening at home and you're not a Dragon Ball Z fan, first of all, weird because Dragon Ball Z rules. Uh, but, second, <laughs> <laughs> but second of all, uh, Vegeta was um, – and it became kind of a trope on, you know, um, in Dragon Ball because Vegeta wasn't even the first one, right? They'd done the same thing with um, uh, Piccolo, right? Dragon Ball Z would frequently introduce a major, major villain, right? The big, bad, evil guy. And they would finally beat him and then he'd become a good guy. He'd kind of come around, right? And not fully and not immediately, right? He didn't become like a smile and do-gooder. Uh, but Vegeta is my favorite example of it because I think they – they did it the best with Vegeta. Piccolo kind of just trained with Gohan. He trained Gohan and he just kind of became – his heart softened. He became a good guy. Vegeta stayed an asshole. I should – I may almost made the whole way without swearing. We didn't hear anything. All we heard was a beep. We were going to pretend that you cursed anyway, so it's okay. <laughs> Vegeta, Vegeta was a real jerk. Um, and so even when he was on the team, um, there were reasons for him 
hang and it's not a team really, but even when he was with the group, with like the the Dragon Ball Z folks, uh, he was surly about it and he wasn't thrilled about it, but there was always a reason for him to keep hanging around. Um, that it made sense, even though he hated doing it. Um, and that to me is one of my favorite character tropes, right? Like the semi reformed villain who is hanging out with the good guys, but not super thrilled about it. Right. And you can, um, what's it called? Um, in the X-Men, Sabretooth has done it. Magneto's done it. Namor's done it. It's, it's a not uncommon trope, uh, but it's one that I really like. Uh, and I was excited to be able to play around with that. And I think that we've seen, we've seen it with Cobra characters before, right? I thought it'd be a new, a fun wrinkle to have them with the, with the Decept, with a Decepticon, right? With a big transformer. And I think that this actually solves a problem that I think we alluded to earlier, this idea of like, oh, well, if they just have, you know, if, if Optimus Prime was on the GI Joe team, what good is roadblock? What good is rock and roll? What good is quick kick? You've got a giant robot with a big old gun that can solve any problem, right? Um, if, the robot you're working with is reluctant to help you out and kind of a jerk. Well, he's not exactly as reliable as Optimus Prime would be, right? So I think it, it helps us out in that regard too. But more than anything, I'm I'm excited about the story possibilities of getting to see Skywarp as a character's growth and changes as he's part of this team. And um, as for why he he would agree to work with G.I. Joe, right? Because that is sort of a weird question. That is absolutely something we address in the ongoing series. So I don't want to give too much away here. Sure. You kind of touched on the the only real conflict I have with the whole idea is how, how strongly it tips the power dynamic. I mean, you know, like you said, any, even, even if Skywarp is a reluctant member of the team, I mean, what Cobra threat is really credible when you can just transform into a super-powered alien robot fighter jet and basically carpet bomb <laughs> everything to wherever and back. So, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how that's explored, because obviously I'm sure that's something you've you've considered prior. Of course. To so, I mean, but I think that, idea. you know, I always find criticisms of writing and story ideas like that a little odd, because like, oh, well, like, who who's Skywarp? You know, who could possibly be a problem for Skywarp? Well, you're talking to a guy whose job is literally to come up with things that will be a problem for Skywarp, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, like, you could say that about anything, right? Like, oh, my God, oh, look at that big old gun that Roadblock has. Who could deal with a gun like that, right? Or look at the the Havoc uh, vehicle. Like, that thing's crazy. Look at all those guns and missiles and stuff. Who could deal with that? Well, you make something up, right? Like, that's, that's literally the job is to make up stuff, make up challenges and threats. So, yeah, a similar complaint um, that I've seen people voice is this idea that, Oh, well, it makes the Joes redundant and useless. And I think that that is doing a disservice to the Joes, right? And doing a disservice to the value of teamwork and specialization and what all of the Joes can bring to the table. I think part of the problem that everyone's having trouble seeing this is that, and I'm, I'm going to say the term again, we've seen the other crossovers before, and I know this isn't a crossover, and don't stop me, but we've seen what's happened with the Joes with the Transformers before, and as much as they try to put the Joes as the A story, it seems that by the book goes, now the Joes are the B story and we're focusing on big Transformer things. Give it more time because I think history hasn't really lent itself to the fandom to say, hey, we can expect G.I. Joe out in front the entire time. What I would say to that is there are already three other Transformers books. IDW doesn't want a fourth one, right? Um, so there, there's no intention to do that. And you know, as for 
if people think that oh this is just a thing that happens naturally um you know when you have when you have transformers in the book it automatically becomes about transformers i think that's just bad writing there might have been a degree of that in the past yeah if it wasn't a conscious choice you know what i'm saying like it, it might have been a conscious choice i don't i don't know you know I, I don't see into the minds of the people who wrote this stuff but if the choice wasn't to do x y and z and then x y and z happened anyway in the writing of something well that's just lousy right so uh, i'm sitting here telling you um the intention is not to make it a transformers book right uh, the intention is not for them to take over the book and as somebody who's you know read and hopefully enjoyed my work i'm hoping you have enough trust in me to write this thing well in a way that we don't accidentally turn into a transformers book i believe you I've enjoyed. I, 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 again, I'm pleasantly surprised by it. I went into it thinking I was going to enjoy it, and, and you've actually uh, topped on top of that. So I'm, Good. I'm very pleased with what's gone on so far. Speaking of these shared universes and anything, if you could pick another property to throw in with the shared universe, Gem and the Holograms. Gem and the Holograms. Okay. Is there another, maybe a non Hasbro one that you thought about? Oh, okay. I'm sorry. And maybe not the Avengers. <laughs> Question is uh, out of his mouth, Gem and uh, the Hologram. No, because I, I, I love what they're doing on that book. I think it's awesome. And I, one of the things I love about it is – so I'm a sucker for, like, band stories, right? Like, I love Jabberjaw. Like, I, <laughs> like I just I just love – it's so it's so ridiculous. Like it's, oh, and Josie and the Pussycats. Okay. Yeah, no, I love all of it. I love Jabberjaw because it's, like, such a blatant knockoff of – I'm going to have to dig up that theme music for this episode. So, uh, no, I, I love – and I love, too, that Gem and the Holograms has, like, such a distinct flavor and tone and aesthetic. And I love Sophie Campbell's art, really. I mean, I think she's just amazing. But uh, – wait, so, like, a non-Hasbro toy yeah. property? Ooh, that's a great question. I hadn't really thought about that. Um, I'm thinking about – thinking back to toys that I loved as a kid. Um, I <laughs> – not because I think it would go well with. Oh, you know what? No, the real answer is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Obviously, okay. I mean, like, that is like that's that's the real answer. Like, because I I love turtles so much. They were just a seminal part of my youth, and I I think the great thing about the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is that they like Batman, like a lot, like most truly amazing great concepts. Is it doesn't really matter how you play them, right? You can have campy adam west batman ah. or you can have or you can have you can have like batman voice christian bale batman yeah. and anything in between and it can all be awesome right like it there's a lot of free and i think teenage Mutant Ninja turtles is the same way right so that's the real answer um another answer though <laughs> a less real answer i guess battle beasts battle beasts were like my favorite oh, oh, oh i love that they're so awesome, uh, and I would like to. I mean, like, if I was going to do it, I would want. I would want to. Like, I would want the scale to be in keeping with like the toys. So, like, the battle beasts would only come up to like the GI Joe's waist, but they would just be these. They would be these monstrous armored <laughs> men. The reason I asked this question is I, I had a conversation with the guys, and uh, when I went over for rollout roll call in England, and we were talking about what other properties would be thrown in, and we'd like to see and. I mentioned, along with Action Man, including the Thunderbirds, International Rescue. Oh, fun. That would fit perfectly into a high-tech G.I. Joe-type environment. The problem with the Thunderbirds is that they aren't actual birds, though. I want I want to have some, I want some anthropomorphic beast people in this book, is what I'm telling you. Ninja Turtles, Battle Beasts. So, Hawk people. Yeah, Hawk people. 
Or, or Thundercats. Hog people from Flash Gordon. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> the only useful part of Flash Gordon is the theme from Queen. I actually wanted to change gears a little bit. Let's talk a little wrestling. Okay. Wait, go. are we talking old school or are we talking new school? I, I think we're. I, I think. Guys, we're gonna, maybe- I hate to be that guy, but I am gonna have to kind of wrap things up soonish uh, because I have I have issue five of GI Joe to write tonight. Like that's what's waiting yeah. on my on my desk right now. <sighs> Dead bounce it, bounce it off us. We'll give you some ideas. <laughs> <laughs> It'll tell you what not to write about. There'll probably like, like two more questions. Is that okay? That's oh yeah, fine. that's fine. Oh, again, just wanted to your favorite from when you were growing up. Ultimate Warrior. All right, I can see that. Mm-hmm. I can see that. Ultimate Warrior, Ultimate Warrior, or uh, Randy Savage. Like depending, like depending on the day as a kid. Like depending on who was a good guy, right? Oh, so like that feud was like your your everything, wasn't the it? The best, the best. I love it and, still. It's and, an amazing match. It, it still is. The whole just any any of the material connected to that is just outstanding because it's just two guys that they were so different about how they got the crowd into things that it yeah no just amazing absolutely wrote the book for everything that came afterwards what, what's your what's your thoughts on the business today uh i love it i love wrestling there's an embarrassment of riches for wrestling fans right now um, because even if wwe isn't your thing uh, there's so many other types of wrestling for you to enjoy lucha underground is like a distinctly different flavor it's not exactly for me um but i love that it exists um Chikara is uh, doing like weird, cartoony, over the top kind of family friendly comedy wrestling. You've got like more traditional, like sport based promotions like Ring of Honor. Uh, New Japan has had a resurgence in the past. That's on TV now. Which is, yeah, it's on exactly. You can watch, you can watch New Japan pro wrestling on cable, which is crazy. I forget what channel it is. Access. It's on Access. Yeah. Mike, your man Ross is one of the announcers. Yep. Uh, Jim Ross and uh, Josh Barnett. Um, yeah, like, uh, and then indie wrestling, you know, like every, you know, it's not the territory days like it used to be, but, um, there are probably very few places in America that you can't find a wrestling show within driving distance once a month or so. Right. Um, if not, if not more frequently than that, um, and and a pretty good quality one at that. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that wrestling is a fantastic place right now. I think people like to, people like to complain and piss and moan about everything. Right. Cause that's just, Mm who we are as people. Uh, but, but wrestling's really good right now. Even WWE, like, which again, they're the easiest targets people, cause they're the biggest. Uh, but how much can you really complain when you've got guys as good as Kevin Owens and Chris Jericho and Dean Ambrose and AJ Styles? Uh, I'm a big Roman Reigns fan. I know that's controversial. The Miz, the Miz has really come into his own lately. Yeah. yeah um, he has. It's, it's, you know, it's the, all the New Day guys, right? Like, there's so, so, so many good wrestlers, and that's just the main roster. Not t- talking about all the amazing talent down in NXT, which is yet to get called up. So, yeah, no, I, I'm I'm thrilled with wrestling right now. I think it's amazing. Your relationship with the WWE and, of course, working with Hasbro leads to my next question, Sergeant Slaughter. Any plans for him maybe going to be in the shared universe? I wish. I mean, those are that was my first, um, maybe not my first question, but one of my first questions was uh, even knowing the answer, right? Can you we have use, to ask. Can we use Slaughter and also Roddy Piper? I mean, so because Roddy Piper was like the trainer for the 
Um, Grenadiers. Yeah, which I love. It's so stupid. Like, if you're going to get somebody to train your mercenaries, Brownie Piper, obviously. (laughs) Clearly, that's the guy. He's got a kill. He's qualified. It's so asinine. I love it. Um, But, uh, yeah, no, I I desperately wanted to use them because I I love both those wrestlers. Um, But it's just impossible. I mean, because... you have to do separate licensing deals with Sergeant Slaughter and then like the estate of Rowdy Roddy Piper. Um, and Sergeant Slaughter is made more complicated by the fact that he's currently employed by WWE. Mm-hmm. And so they have, and so they have likenesses, likeness rights tied up with them. Uh, as much as I wish we could, and I really do wish we could, it is simply impossible. Um, and even if they were willing to license it, um, the fees that they would command would be so expensive to make it um, like it, again as much as much as it would make Aubrey happy. I don't know if it would sell. Any, I don't know if it would sell any additional <laughs> copies of a comic book. You know what I'm saying? So uh, Aubrey, I guess uh, we'll we'll. I, I know you said one more, but if you have any parting thoughts that you want to throw on, maybe something we didn't cover that you absolutely got to get out there. Um, any other projects you want to plug? Uh, really, just whatever whatever else you want to put out into into the world uh, for for fans to to hear about. Thanks, man. Uh, yeah, on the GI Joe front, the thing that I would you know on top of all the stuff that we covered before, we've covered up to this point. The thing that really excites me about GI Joe and our take on it um, is not just the aspirational tone, but the place that I hope GI Joe will occupy in the comic book landscape right now um it's you know there's long long been you know since the 80s now there's been this tendency to make things grim and gritty to make things dark and like like this assumption that things can't be smart if they're also fun right uh and i think that's nonsense uh Mm -hmm. and that's that is something that we are planning on changing with gi joe and uh it's a fun book man i know the 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 revolution one shot is heavy uh, and it was designed that way because uh, in order for you guys to fully appreciate the bright, crazy, over-the-top, aspirational feel of the ongoing, we kind of wanted to start someplace dark. And we also needed to tie in with the Revolution crossover, which is a heavier, more intense book. So you know, I- I'm excited because of that. But I'm also excited because um, no matter where – and I'm not going to – promise i'm not gonna get all political uh but no matter where you fall in the political spectrum right now in america it is a it's a tumultuous place right um and it's easy to get caught up in um how fractured um the political and social landscape is right now Uh, but the great thing about gi joe is that gi joe when it adheres to kind of these core principles of diverse group of people coming together to fight oppressive fascist evil uh that's something that should appeal to everybody i would hope right maybe not everybody but (laughs) uh, not not the fascists but yeah the fascists so i guess the fascists are getting left out of this but everybody else i think that gi joe is i'm not not a crazy person i'm not going to sit here and tell you that gi joe is going to bring the country together but i do think that gi joe the gi joe that we're doing with this book is the right flavor and the right tone for right now you know it's not a political book we're not doing crazy political allegory but we are leaning into you know some some stuff about the book which i think or with about the concept that has always been pretty progressive you know um if you look at back at the sunbow series uh they were doing gender racial cultural representation before it was cool Sunbow was a little ahead of its time on some. They topics. really were. 
They really, really, really were. Thank you for saying that. Um, and I think and, that. And the great that, part about it was nobody noticed. It, exactly. It just, they, it just they, made it, yeah. they just made it work. They didn't. They didn't beat you over the head with it. They didn't have a very special episode where you know, like um, <laughs> a very special Punky Brewster. Yeah, exactly. Like um, it was just. I mean, and that's why it was so. That's why it was so groundbreaking and so influential and so important and so progressive because they didn't belabor the point that Scarlet was just as good as the guys. She just was the end, end of story. Like there's no, dis- there wasn't even a discussion about it. She just, you know, the very first, I love, I had forgotten um, since I was a kid, I was watching, you know, I was watching, um, if, do you guys remember the first episode of the Sunbow G.I. Joe? The first episode of the Mass Device? Yes, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, the opening sequence is Duke almost getting run over by a jet and real peeved about, you know, wanting to kick the mustard out of whatever hot dog was driving it. Cockpit <laughs> opens up is Scarlet. Awesome. Like for, for a kid in the eighties, that is a, that's um, a mind F, right? Like that's that. Cause it's just not something, it's not something you, it's not something you see. And um, yeah, I, I think that there are aspects of GI Joe that is exactly what we need right now. And I'm really excited about it because of that. Excellent. Boom. There you go. Awesome. Can I plug some of my stuff? Absolutely. Go for it. Mike so, uh, if people want to find it, everything, 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 uh, previews of G.I. Joe, I have copies, like signed and numbered copies of Street Fighter G.I. Joe, if you haven't read that yet. Um, links to uh, my wrestling talk show, Street Shoot. Links to Scald, which I talked about earlier in the show. Everything is on AubreySitterson.com, including like all my social media is embedded there and everything, too. Uh I'm active uh, on my Facebook page, which is Aubrey Sitterson, uh, but I'm most active on Twitter. Um, just it's kind of where my audience is, and I like it. So come find me on Twitter at Aubrey Sitterson. And of course, um, the G.I. Joe Revolution one shot is on sale right now. If your shop is already sold out, which they might be because it's been a little time and it's really good, uh, you can find it on Comixology, of course. Uh, and the ongoing title starts on december 28th which is two weeks from today when we're filming this uh, i'm not sure when this is going live but december 28th make sure to get there early because this book is gonna sell out because i think people you know you find folks know right because i've been yammering at you about it for the last hour and a half <laughs> uh you guys know how good street uh how good gi joe is gonna be uh but i don't think the world at large does and once they find out once they see what we're doing uh all the copies are going to get sold. People are going to buy them. So make sure to get there early to make sure you get your hands on one. If you can't, as always, Comixology has you covered for the digital copies. I am adding you to following you on Twitter right now. Do it. Now. Everybody should. I'm a fun guy to drink with. Well, <laughs> you'll fit in just right. About to say, what, how have we not met you before? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm drinking right now. Funny, you, you talked about, you know, you've discovered you didn't want to be a philosophy professor because you were hanging out with philosophy professors. I wound up not being a music teacher because I realized I didn't drink enough. <laughs> maybe I should become a music teacher. Maybe that's the way we got to go. <laughs> maybe, this, that's, you know? maybe, maybe this comics thing is just a, a detour. Who knows? Stra- strangely enough, I didn't drink enough. I'm thinking I should probably start at 40. It's it's <laughs> backwards. It's backwards. This has been this has been amazing. Thank you so much for having me. I have GI Joe number five calling my name right now, uh, and if I don't yes. get I don't get to it, Carlos is going to have my butt. Well, if, <laughs> you know, if you could work in a uh, private Mike Urizari or you know a Colonel Justin Bell or Sergeant <laughs> Gary Godso, anybody gets a quick kill, throw us in there. <laughs>
We would be I'll most certainly do my best. I'll certainly <laughs> do my best. We would appreciate the nod, that's all. Take, take their likeness and just blow them up. I was going to suggest Joe Colton, but I don't know. Yeah, it's something already yeah. happened. I'm thinking Joe Colton should be who's inside the, the bongo the bear. <laughs> Corporal Ethel. I forgot the fake last name. Already. <laughs> All right. All right. Thanks, so, Aubrey. Thanks, Aubrey, Aubrey. Thanks so much. Anytime, you, anytime you need a vine, uh, look us up. We'll be happy to have you back. Awesome. Thank you so much. This, is, this has been a blast. I And I hope I'll tell you the same thing I told the um, Full Force guys. Uh, I would love to come back, but let's give it like let's give it four or five months. So like you guys have a better feel for what we're doing with the book and maybe have some like book specific questions and things to talk about. Absolutely. Do you not like us, Aubrey? Uh, no, I, I love you. That's why I want to come back. <laughs> Mike, he just doesn't like you. All right. Uh, well, uh, that's not the first time. Wouldn't it be the first time? Exactly. Yeah. All right. I'm going to run because I, right. I, 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 right. I have to get G.I. Joe written tonight. G.I. Joe right. Thank you. Out. Take care. Right. Bye-bye. Take you too, sir. All right. Now we're done with all that. I told you I was right. It's a crossover. Mailback. Sponsored by all the cool stuff. I hope Audrey knows I'm kidding when I when I'm, I'm rubbing. I, this I in, but have so. a feeling, judging from the rest of the conversation, that he is aware that we are charlatans. Okay. okay. We are the clown princes of of the GI Joe podcasting world. Hey, I'm good at what I do. No, I'm not saying it's your fault for being the clown prince. I'm just saying for taking me too literal. That's your fault. You, the listener. Oh, okay. You, the listener. I see. You, the listener. But of course, Mike. F- you. Understood. <laughs> Mailbag, sponsored by all the cool stuff. Hey, listener on the other side of the Atlantic. Hey, listener on our side of the Atlantic. What the hell? Why not? Uh, if you're looking for the finest in G.I. Joe, uh, Action Force, Lego, Star Wars, guys in furry shorts, turtles, visit allthecoolstuff.co.uk. Speaking of Lego, do you hear that Lego will be going up 15% in pricing due to Brexit? Nice. And British motherfuckers. It's all so, your fault, Dave Tree. So shame on you, all you Britons, for want to decide your own government. I, I just thought it would because because Chris McCloud wasn't there to buy anymore. He does control market value. That's how much he I buys. I mean, so it, it's he's just bringing all that over here to the states. Come, Jack. he's like a heavy better when the heavy better walks into Vegas, ironically, and, and places a bet and he changes the odds. That's McCloud. He's the toy whale. I went to uh, to the local place, uh, Saga Toys here in St. Louis, uh, and the last time I was there, it had been a while since I'd been there. Last time I was there, I went with McLeod. So you walk in and they ask, where's the British guy? Uh, they walked in and, and they said, hey, like they recognize you by sight, but you, I, I could tell that they were kind of did the look behind me yep. to see if anybody else was coming in too. That's the Chris McLeod influence. Your friend paid our rent last month. Where is he? <laughs> that's every time I see Mike, it's the same. Yeah, that's how I feel. Uh, just Mike. That's uh, just Mike. You left Rob at home. Just Mike. But uh, mailbag again. Visit uh, all the cool stuff. All the, the cool stuff. Co. Uk. Cool stuff. Uh, it's all the old stuff. Whatever. He'll sell you some ponies if you want. Just don't ask for any uh, Funko Pops because he'll send you right to Kokomo Toys. I hate those things too. And guess which was in this month's loot crate? <laughs> Not a f-ing Funko Pop. God. Why are you getting loot crate? I should probably cancel it. I was getting nerd block. What did what Funko Pop did you get? Might have been a Game of Thrones. Mm. Eh. Sounds like William's getting a Christmas present. <laughs> Send it off. Send it off to William. He'll be confused. Probably wrong, and there's people yelling at me right now, telling me what it is. If someone knows what it is, just email the program. I don't give a shit. 
We will find out in six months when the episode gets posted. No, 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 no. They'll find out if we answer their email in six months when I post it. But uh, read it immediately. Get it right, you. <laughs> we have uh, we have no new mailbag. All right. Don't send us any letters. All right. Good night. So David Tree, uh, as usual, bag of empty promises. <laughs> A bag no. of something. Wow. We love Dave Tree. Visit his shop. All the cool stuff. Dave Tree is a great kisser. Hey, he also has a good set of buns. Okay. I haven't tried his pastries. I don't know. <laughs> he is doughy in English. <laughs> Dave's our little English muffin. <laughs> English muffin. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> you know, I, I'm never having an English muffin ever again. Dave <laughs> our little English muffin. Oh, my God. That's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> that is fantastic. You just made me Brexit English muffins. <laughs> Justin, I have a complaint. Yes? What's the matter? The d- pic you sent is too old. Okay. No, he's just something a little great. fresher. Thank you. He's just that gray down there. It's not it's not <laughs> <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't give me time to dye the old uh, bushes before I sent you the tree. Did you photoshop like a gray mustache on it? <laughs> And an old-timey hat. <laughs> I want younger. Because Ju- Justin was caught completely unawares by our, our recording tonight. <laughs> are, we doing the, are we still doing this today? What? Yeah. What are we talking about here? Yeah. Yeah. This would have been awkward if I had to find a um, uh, coffee shop when I went up north because my parents got rid of the uh, the internet connection. So I would be doing this at a coffee shop. How awkward would that be? I thought this was going to lead into a pot smoking joke for a second. No. In, in, in Canada, they would just think you were an American. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, that would be interesting if she could do it in a coffee shop. She could pull the average Canadian off the street and we can get their opinion on stuff. Like, could she do that? <laughs> I don't know. For some reason, I'm like fascinated with picks tonight. I don't know. What do you think about G.I. Joey? Oh, sorry. We don't get those up here. Sorry. That is the worst accent ever. Yeah, that was that was pretty horrible. What's your favorite with a U, GI Joe? It's not supposed to be good. So let's uh, move on from Das Postsock. What's your favorite team, the Rough Riders or the Rough Riders? Argonauts are way too biblically. What we got in sponsored by Kokomo Toys. As it is the Christmas season, we will sing the Kokomo Toys theme song. No. Kokomo Kokomo. No. Kokomo Toys. Kokomo Kokomo. Kokomo Toys. Even though I haven't heard her say this, I just know she's going to say it. Amber's going to tell you not to sing that. I, look, that that's that was pretty spot on right there. Do people want running jokes or do they want running jokes? I can't promise that they're all going to make Gary Godso lose it. There's a difference between runny jokes and running jokes. <laughs> True. Yes. Point. However, I don't know the difference. So, moving on, uh, again, you, if you... Uh, if you need uh, any, any, just anything, because fun, whatever we said about all the cool stuff, throw Funko Pops in it, and that's Kokomo Toys. <laughs> Minus the Legos, they don't have Legos. Don't, no, they don't do Legos. I suppose not. No. So that's the you swap out Legos for Funko, and you got Kokomo Toys. Plus, they're not English, which you know points for better teeth. I was. I needed some re- some kind of reaction. I'm sorry. I needed something. As as I disparage everyone involved, but we we love 
uh, Todd and Amber and the gang of Kokomo Toys. Uh, they are most active with uh, eBay sales. Find them on eBay. Search Kokomo Toys. Uh, you can also find them on Facebook at Kokomo Toys. That's right. Kokomo Toys. So uh, what we got in? Joe Colton. Well, apparently, never mind. <laughs> I'm packing. <laughs> What'd you get in? Besides uh, a dozen and a half of Justin's picks, what'd you get in? Uh, oh, I know what came in. The Marauders Valkyries came in finally. Oh, nice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I got a patch and four figures. Got mine right here, too. I didn't get a patch. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Uh, got... yeah I got a patch. Screw you. And a pin. Pin? Ha-ha. <laughs> got a pin either. This says... Oh, I got a pin. The 814. It's like a zip code. So, I got Black Knight Ops. I got two of those. I should I be an 814. Go on. Sorry. Uh, I got a Gray Urban Ops, Intel Ops, and a Tan Ops. These are really good figures. Like, I'm really happy with them. I've already, like, started assembling them. And... Is that the uh, the $54 package? The four figures? Yes. Yeah, that's the one I got, too. Yeah, I got a pin. I got the four-figure package, and I didn't. I didn't get nothing. Got no patch. I got no pin. You suck. I do. Got a rock. Got a rock. <laughs> Although I think I, I do have something that come that's coming in the second shipment too. Even so, I really got a rock. Maybe they'll send it then. I don't know. I don't know. Suddenly, my life is a little bit less worth living. There's a ton of accessories on these things. I love it. Oh snap! Yes, go on, Joe Colton. <laughs> There's a number of pre-lost items here, by the way. Be careful. Oh, yes. oh really? Yeah. The Gary Godso stamp of approval right there, pre-lost. That radio, that radio will get lost in a second. I never... Oh. <laughs> Lies. <laughs> don't know because you lost it. <laughs> that's yeah, that radio's going. Told you. Wow, that's tiny. I lost the patch and the pin already. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> Damn. All right. The non-O-ring swivel waist is great. I love that. Yeah. It works very easily. These could fit in a Joe collection, and I don't think anyone would notice. Nope. Nope. No, they really are. The, 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 these, the task force, they're just, Marauder's doing fantastic work. It's completely transparent to the non-knowing person. We don't care what they think anyway. Do we? What else you get in, Joe Colton? Uh. <laughs> you go to all these cons, what what are you bringing home? Mm. Uh, I didn't get it from a con, but I got a Play Arts, Batman vs. Superman, Donna Justice, Wonder Woman. Oh, my mom bought me a three and a half foot Santa. Nice. Yes, Maggie has uh, made him my boyfriend, and we've taken awkward photos with him. I was about to say, there have been some mighty suggestive poses with that Santa. <laughs> Those are the best kind of photos. See, she put him in my bed, and she's like, just sleep with him. And I was like, but he has a stand. Well... Because Santa's a little old and he has a hard time keeping it up. It's true. It's going to chafe. And, and he's married. Yes, absolutely. Uh, it's going to chafe. A Captain uh, Pop, a, a Scotty, and a... Oh, I know what you guys will like. A Joking Hazard card game that's like Cards Against Humanity, but vulgar. Way more vulgar. That's the uh, Cyanide and Happiness guys, right? I'm all yeah. over vulgar. Yeah. Nice. And I got the coat from Fantastic Beasts for one of the uh, the wizards, Tina, or the witches. Yeah, which you guys haven't seen, so it doesn't matter. 
Haven't seen no, it. I have not seen that movie. It's the rock. It, it's the rock in that one. <laughs> is that is that the only movies you watch? Yep. Ones with the rock. Now it is. Oh, yep. That's sure. He's in all of them, so I haven't seen anything this fall. I've been terrible about getting to the movies. Oh. And the last I've been out got- for a week and a half. I haven't seen Star Wars. Oh, Jesus. And the last thing I got in was uh, the Star Trek book that just came out, Strange New Worlds, boldly, what is it, Strange New Worlds, boldly explained. So, nice. That's what so I what's picked it about? Up. I don't know yet. Star Trek. Star Trek. Right. For the win. Thank you. Ask a silly question. Get a God-so answer. <laughs> That's all I've got. All right. We believe you. It's before Christmas. We believe you. This time. This time. This time. Justin Bell. Holy sh! Save this segment. Um, yeah, I mean, you're talking since, like, last year at this point, but... Um, oh, Jesus, now here we go. He's going to go all Chris McCloud on us. <laughs> the entire no, year I've gotten... <laughs> I've been buying uh, quite a few of uh, Gary's favorite robots. Gobots? So, yeah, I've been, been getting a lot of the Titans Return stuff for Transformers. I did get the two three-packs and two of the two-packs for the G.I. Joe 50th anniversary. You know, a couple of weeks ago, Maddie Collector had a nice little Black Friday sale, so I went and got myself a bunch of more furry short guys, which was uh, cool. Some great bargains to be had there. Uh, I've got, uh, I got one of my Valkyrie shipments. I've got a second one incoming, so waiting for that to arrive been buying a few more of the Batman animated series figures to kind of fill out that collection a little bit. Those are awesome, aren't they? They're pretty freaking incredible. I love them. I just like I I just got uh, the last two I got were Commissioner Gordon and Harvey Bullock and it's just like two dudes in suit coats and it's they're still freaking amazing. <laughs> I I could not pick those up because I would be forced to get them all. Yeah, well, that was my problem. I started out with like three or four of them, and now I've got a detolf shelf filled with like 15 or 20 of them. So yeah. It's not good. Uh, I've been getting some Thundercats. I just got Mumra and uh, Pum- Pumira last week. Those arrived. Um, and I'm loving the Thundercats line. Hopefully Super 7 will keep those up where Mattel has left off. Um, and I think that's about it. You know, I think at one point I was excited, somewhat excited that G.I. Joe wasn't going to be too aggressive this year, so maybe I'd have a break from buying G.I. Joe stuff, but uh, instead I just bought a bunch of other Ooh. So, so much for that plan. Gary Gatso. Obviously, I uh, got the car. Now, the, the thing with the car is I, I'm not paying any more for it than I was for my oh, other he's car. still talking about the car. And I have a lower interest rate on that, too. So it was kind of a win-win. They kept sending me this email saying my car apparently was in high demand on the used car market. And they come in and they'll hook me up with another vehicle. So I come in, I say, look, I am three years away from looking for a new car. So I have no money to put down. This is how much my car is worth. Because I know how much my car is worth because my company owns KBB. And this is how much I'm paying right now. And if you could make the math work and get me into a Camaro with all the same options that were in my old car, let's do this. They made it work, and I'm paying less of an interest rate to boot. So win, 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 win all around. So the only downside is this is my first rear-wheel drive car. So that night that you ran into the curb, Mike, there was no way in hell I was taking out my car. I ended up driving Deb's car for the better part of the weekend because she has all-wheel drive. I am not prepared to take my car out at all anytime when it's remotely slick out. I'll be doing instant donuts no matter where I'm at. Mm, instant donuts. 
I have got a little bit back into Star Wars, but I've only been collecting the Star Wars Rebels figures and, and stuff. So I got the latest figures from the latest wave. Dabbled a little bit in Lego. Probably spent too much money there, but you know they're not going to abandon me like GI Joe has. So I, I feel it justified. Mm, snap. They got the Valkyries here. I actually was pulling them out of the package as you guys were talking about them. So that's how I know I got a pin and Mike didn't. They sent Gary my pin. I do have the exclusives from uh, CoilCon here. They did a good job with the two exclusives. It's uh, Super Cop, which everyone might remember. Super Cop is what they made Sergeant Slaughter over in India. So they managed to uh, bring Super Cop into the Coil universe. And then the Super Cop is versus the Coil character and Sidewinder Commando, which they also package with him. A parachute, so that's pretty cool as well. John and those guys did a good job. And the aforementioned traveling, that's what I did, and then, uh, that's pretty much it. I got the uh, the front end of my car replaced. <laughs> and uh, except for the, the Joes that we talked about before and the Valkyries, I really haven't gotten anything else in. It's, it's the toy budget. Mm, not so much as we lead up to the Christmas months anyway. I tend to buy children toys at this time of year. I uh, did pick up some odds and ends, though, uh, along the way from our our, our buddies at, at Saka Toys, as mentioned before, they got a he got a collection in from uh, from a Canadian collector, and so I have picked up a few Joes that with uh, just just absolutely pristine condition, and then they also had the Canadian cards. Nice. So so I have over over the last several months picked up uh, some favorites: Grunt, Flash, and Mutt with the Canadian card backs. Loose, but again, that's that's the only way to buy toys. Screw that package stuff. That's about it. Again, it's, uh, my, my, my local shop there is uh, Saga Toys. You can find them on Facebook. They're here in St. Louis. Uh, and they got all kinds of neat stuff. Kind of a new shop, so check them out. That's what we got in. Time for shout-outs. Gary Gotso's shout-outs are sponsored by... Planet Nerd Rage Productions. See their new feature film, Ghost Source Zero, soon. I will when they send me that DVD. Hells yeah. You do it, Mark Chang. You make it happen. Shout outs, Joe Colton. On mute. If I don't get a shout out for my picks, I'm uh, flipping this table over. Uh, shout out to Justin Bell for the fantastic picks. Excellent. <laughs> That's what I like to hear. Fantastic. Oh. You're that lady. Fantastic. Fantastic. Um, to. Uh, it's been saved a lot of wear and tear by being married all this time. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's fresh, yes. It's oh, God. Oh. <laughs> Jesus. Can I put Justin's comment on the next uh, podcast? What's that? <laughs> Which one? Justin's comment just now on the next podcast is my segment. Sure. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, I think that qualifies a little creepy. It's creepy enough, yeah. Yeah. Also, uh, shout out to Marauders Task Force. Awesome figures. Um, and Mark Chang for finishing his film. Very proud of him. Absolutely. We get no shout outs? No. All right. Thank you then. <laughs> and to you, lovely gentlemen. And Debbie Whatever. Johnson. Debbie will be appreciative. Thank you very much. You are welcome. It's too late now. Thank you. <laughs> I'm going to punch you in the throat later. <laughs> you ain't punching nobody in no throat. <laughs> Justin Bell, shout out. 
Oh man, I got a bunch of shout outs. Um, I'm going to shout out actually Arun Singh. I know we haven't shouted out him in a while. He's gone through a couple of job changes recently. He's now working for Boom Comics as uh, I believe one of their vice presidents of marketing, which is a very cool thing for him back in the comic world after a stint at sci-fi. So uh, really great news for him and good to see him back in in comics again. Um, So shout out to him. I want to echo the shout out to Mark Chang. Finishing that uh, film is a huge deal. So congrats to him for that. I can't wait to check it out at some point. Really great accomplishment there. Uh, shout out to Bill Murphy, the guys at Fresh Mon- Monkey Fiction, for their successful Kickstarter for Eagle Force Returns. I know it feels like a long time ago, but um, I was very happy to see that happen. Uh, shout out to the folks at Marauder for getting the Valkyries out to people's hands. Another great accomplishment. Uh, another successful Kickstarter and another uh, batch of actual physical toys that came from the Kickstarter that are reaching homes around the world. So that's great news as well. Uh, Shout out to Chris McLeod for all of his help with um, some of the video reviews I've been putting up on YouTube lately. He always pitches in and gives me a lot of assistance with that and pretty much saves me from myself with his uh, great production values there. So big thanks to him. Um, I know they don't get a whole lot of love, uh, but shout out to uh, Daryl and Mark and Hasbro for the work they've done on the 2016 G.I. Joe line. I know it's they were probably facing an uphill battle getting anything released on store shelves uh, at all. Um, we got a nice little set of figures out there, so big thanks to them for putting in the legwork to get us some some new toys to check out and enjoy. I think that about covers it. I'm sure I forgot several people that I should have shouted out, but uh, that's all I got tonight. It's after midnight, so leave me alone. <laughs> you got nothing for us? Shout out to you guys as well. Uh, shout out uh, too to late now. Screw Joe you. for letting me send her all these pics without uh, blocking me on Facebook. That was, that was cool. Thank you. Yeah, you're very Mike. Mike for uh, joining me in my hotel room at Granicon. That was a great time. And um, mm. so big thanks. And Gary, shout out to your uh, midlife crisis card. <laughs> it is pretty sweet. I gotta give. I gotta. It, it, it's got all the antenna stuff and kind of this Batman fin. It's nice. kind of neat. Yeah. No back seat whatsoever, basically. So, ladies, sorry, you have to do it in the front. It's all going up front. <laughs> <laughs> ladies, sorry, no, no front. nothing in the back for you. It's... Hope you don't mind broadcasting, because it's all <laughs> happening in the front seat. If you need a little extra headroom, the sunroof can open. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. We'll instantly turn and be Gary's hype man. I guess it's my turn. Well, first of all... Sh- Shoutouts to you guys, of course. Standing shoutouts to Debbie. Standing shoutouts to Mark and the Planet Nerd Rage production crew. As mentioned, we're all proud of you for everything professionally and for the movie and everything. So that's awesome. Great. Cannot wait to see it. Can't wait to eventually own Nickelodeon and then we can come visit you in your palatial CEO suite that you'll have at the building there on Times Square. You can take us to another like horror movie themed restaurant and have lunch like you did last time we were in New York. Take us down to Trump Tower. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it qualifies as a horror movie, probably. All right, speaking of the election, people, calm the f*** down. (laughs) To the right, act like you've been there before. Quit being poor winners. To the left, quit being poor losers. It's all going to work its way out. Trust me, folks. It will work its way out. We're still still Americans. We do this sort of thing. Lastly, this is more of a kind of an, an announcement type thing. As... You guys know, and I, I haven't really made it widely known, I've, I've taken a better care of my health here recently, certainly, especially since Gary, but other things have caught me uh, to focus in on my health. So we are now 
52 pounds and counting. Nice! Go, Gary, go. Still fat, but not as fat, as I like to say. Uh, But hopefully we'll make it to JoeCon well under 300. That's the definite goal there. In lieu of certain events that happened with a mutual friend of, of Mike and I, just... Folks, I can't stress it enough. If you haven't, especially if you're over 40, if you haven't gone and got at least a physical, some sort of checkup, something, do it now. Do it before it becomes too late. Buy yourself some more time in in your life here. Stick around for your friends and family a lot longer. But go out and get at least a physical and find out what's going on with your body because you don't want to find out before it's too late and you have something serious pop up on you. It's one of the reasons why I've I've taken a hard and very critical look at mine. So please, uh, women too, for that matter, make sure that you have regular checkups and everything. My plea to everyone else to take a better shot at their health. And that's kind of all I have. Yeah, if something's not working right or something hurts, get it looked at by a professional, not just a neighbor. Not just Joe Colton like I do. Justin has no problem looking under your hood. Yeah. You want a doctor. Say, Joe, can you take a look at this? I don't know what this little mark is here. It's just a Sharpie. (laughs) (laughs) You got a spot that's discolored. Can somebody come take it? No, Justin, go see a doctor. Lesions are not good. Of course, shout out to our sponsors. All the cool stuff. Kokomo Toys, AVAX Lab, uh, and Planet Nerd Rage Productions. uh, Sponsor of Gary Godso at 2015 Jokon. Thank you. Thank you. Give a, uh, a shout to our, our folks at, at the Full Force, uh, Chris McLeod, Dave Tree, Eddie Inman. Let's see who else we got. To our third on the, the fantasy football show that all of you hate, Jamie Johnson, as this is our end of the year spectacular. What else we got? You guys, of course, great doing the show with you. Always a ball of fun. We don't do it enough. Always an afterthought. Thanks, Mike. Well, that's what we do. You know, it's it's. It, I'm just following the pattern. I mentioned you guys first. Well, yeah, you're kind of a sucker. Thoughtful sucker, but... Sucker, nevertheless. <laughs> Look, I was taking care of the sponsors first. I always do that. We got to keep the money happy. Tell me I'm wrong. Go on. What money? <laughs> Damn it, he found the loophole. Uh, and, of course, to all of our listeners, uh, to, to all of you who've, who've been with us through the years now, this is, what, six years? It will be. Will be, yeah. So next year will be six years. So this is... The five-year anniversary. Look at all the stuff we rolled out for that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, again, we uh, we brought you Joe Colton in the fifth year. There you go. We we do get, get together and do this as often as possible. It's difficult. There is a lot of moving parts uh, with the four of our schedules and our jobs and our lives. So thank you for being patient with us when we disappear for chunks of time on it. You know that's it. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Absolutely. Happy holidays. Yes. Yeah, everyone forgot to wish that, and they're like, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Happy, oh, yeah. yeah. It's, Merry it's Christmas. four days from now. Happy New Year. <laughs> four days from now, you assholes. Four days. Should be ashamed of ourselves. Nobody bought me a damn thing, did you? No. No. Did not. I didn't even get a pick. Oh, uh, give me a minute. Right. <laughs> Send him the young one you sent me. <laughs> Is that the one where he has it parted down the middle? <laughs> yes. The bowl cut. <laughs> oh, my goodness. 
Gary, get us out of here. What the hell is going on here? So for our co-hosts, Justin and Mike, and Joe, I'm Gary. Saying to all of our men and women serving, God bless, God speak, come on safe, happy holidays, Merry Christmas. Go get your health checked out, please. Good night, folks, and thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time for the next episode of What's on Joe Mind? See you later. See ya. Adios. Send more messages to Joe. Bet you didn't think you'd be here five hours later. Holy mother... I'm not even, and I'm not even driving to Toronto in the morning. <laughs>